Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Arrivals site from the Rivals Network. Uh, it is Ole Miss week, week four in the SEC. I think it's like week seven or eight or something overall in college football since we got the late start, but uh, it's been a much more positive week. Like the vibes, even though you know, Auburn obviously won on a really terrible call by the refs. Like, I still feel like everyone is in a much better mood. I've had people reach out to me this week, like, uh, you know, congrats on covering a relevant team. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I don't want to, like, go back and rehash everything that happened at the end of the Auburn game. But uh, this morning we did see that they are, like, changing their rule on uh, recoveries uh, in the SEC. So, man, that's – I mean, it's vindication, but it's also like, okay, that doesn't do anything for us. I think it's actually a national rule where the uh, NCAA has removed the verbiage of a clear and immediate recovery – I uh, saw where Tommy Kraft of the Morning Rush radio show, I actually was listening to that in my car Friday morning as I was uh, on my way home from dropping off uh, my daughter at daycare. And I heard that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That is the most Arkansas thing I have ever heard. I mean, it's it, kind of what it made me think of was how they, they changed the way they awarded national championships back in the 60s. In 64, it was awarded before the bowl games, like after the regular season. Well, in 64, obviously, Arkansas and Alabama both went undefeated. Alabama lost its bowl game uh, to Texas, who Arkansas beat, and Arkansas won its bowl game. And uh, still, Alabama claims that national championship, and Arkansas has to settle for, like, a Football Writers Association championship, something like that. None of the, none of the big ones. And sure enough, the next year, the AP changed it to where they were going to wait until after bowl games. So very, very similar situation, it seems like. Uh, it just seems like this is a – a very Arkansas thing to happen, but you know, you can't, can't really do anything about it as uh, Sam Pittman said earlier this week. So I guess we got to shift our focus to Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, I think the, the less the players think about it, the better, although you want them to have a chip on their shoulder. You want them to play harder this week because of it, I think. And I, I think that they will. Um, they know that they won that game and deserve to have won that game, even though, you know, we've discussed there were, there were a lot of, bad things that happened in that game that were kind of forgotten because of the final call by the refs. Um, But they did everything that they needed to do to deserve that win. And I think that they know that and it just gives them even more confidence that they had before. And it's not like they were playing with their best guys either. Like that has been one of the most incredible parts about all of this is the way they've been able to play uh, with subs and with second teamers on a team that we just really thought, there's no depth here. Yeah, that, that has been a definite surprise. I mean, who, if you would have told me that in week three of the season that, you know, no disrespect to these guys, but I mean, that Hudson Clark was going to be starting a corner. Kari Johnson was going to be getting significant reps. Uh, you know, Davion Warren would be playing a ton more than Traylon Burks. Uh, you'd be without Rakeem Boyd. I would be saying, oh my goodness, this has been a disaster of a season, but it's been completely the opposite it has been a very solid start to the year uh obviously you want more than just the one win but i think most fans would have said hey get get it get at least one win and, and we'll be happy so uh can't can't really complain with what they've done so far um i know 
a lot of people want to know first thing, like who's available, who's not available. So just kind of go through your injury report from yesterday when we talked to Sam Pittman, and then we can add a little bit of what we might've heard ourselves. Yeah. So it sounds encouraging with the two offensive guys, Rakeem Boyd and Traylon Burks. It sounds like they're going to play. Rakeem obviously tweeted out, I'm back. Uh, Sam Pittman does not really like uh, the Twitter machine. It sounds like. Uh, Well, that was confusing because he hadn't, (laughs) he hadn't tweeted in like two weeks. So was he saying like, I'm back on Twitter or I'm back and I'm playing. It's just like he, he, it's ambiguous. And so Sam Pittman played it very well. Like, Oh, I'm, I should follow him on Twitter. It'd be great to have him if we, if we do have him. I loved how he played that off. It was pretty funny. Yeah, that that's, it was classic Sam Pittman. Uh, but then uh, the other injury that he, he didn't sound quite as optimistic about is Montero Brown at corner. Uh, he said that they, they hope to have him back. They've been at practice, but he, he even admitted, you know, I'm, I'm not positive about that one. But he did say Traylon Burks, he's been good to go at practice, and they, they fully anticipate him being ready to go on Saturday. So those are the three that he really mentioned. Oh, he also mentioned uh, Hudson Henry at tight end uh, should be good to go this week after missing uh, the Auburn game with an undisclosed injury. Uh, then, you know, we, we don't really have any more updates on Dorian Gerald, uh, although we probably assume that he's, he's out for at least a, a couple more weeks. Uh, and Jerry Jacobs, we're not sure about. Uh, the linebackers have both been banged up. They haven't missed any extended period of time, but Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan have both been dealing with various injuries. Uh, I think one of them, I think they'd have to, like, lose a limb before they came off the field. Uh, but that they are, I mean, when I say Arkansas is banged up, I mean, I was telling, talking to an Ole Miss radio station a couple days ago and I said, they, they are a hundred percent. Like they, they have so many injuries on both sides of the ball to like key players. Uh, but it does sound like the offensive guys are going to be back, which is, which is a plus. Yeah. <clears throat> Hudson Henry will also be back in the tight ends room, but he hasn't done so much this so far this season, so I don't know how much of like a big addition that is. But Blake Kern looked pretty good last week. Now adding Traylon Burks back into the lineup, I'm wondering if they can. You know, I, I think Trey Knox has been the least productive of the three starters, so can they possibly move Traylon Burks over and keep Devion Warren? in the game as a starter. I mean, I know they can rotate some guys around, but I'm like, I don't know how easy it is for one of these receivers to just switch spots and like change what they're going to be doing. I mean, they should know the calls on any particular play, like, you know, run, run, a run a, run a post from this spot. Like, I guess it shouldn't be that complicated, but I still wonder if we could see communication issues if they try to do something like that. I don't think so. I mean, if there are communication issues, I think it would still just be from the fact that it's just the fourth game they've had under Kendall Bryles and with a weird offseason. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily because of the position change, if that kind of happens. Because I, I, like you, I think that's what they would probably do. I think you'd have to try to find a way to get Traylon Burks and Davion Warren on the field at the same time, even though they're both technically slot receivers. Uh, and I think Burks is, is capable of playing the outside. And even they, they talked about it, the coaches did in the preseason. They said, you know, he's going to be a slot, but he's also going to move all around the field. He's going to play multiple different spots. So he's a guy you could probably move around. You probably want to keep Warren in the slot just he's a smaller guy. 
and everything. But, I mean, Burks is every bit as big as Trey Knox pretty much. Uh, so might as well give him a shot at the outside and uh, get, all those, get all those playmakers on the field at once, you know, with Mike Woods being the other. And then if you're the coach, how do you balance Rakeem Boyd coming back now that you've seen Traylon Smith do pretty well? I mean, he had over 70 yards receiving and rushing last week, and I think there was a stat, like the only guy that's done that so far in the NCAA is um, Trevor Etienne over at Clemson. So, um, you know, that's pretty impressive. Um, Maybe they can use him a little bit more because when Rakeem was able to go, I think against, you know, Georgia, they weren't trying Traylon very much at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're going to, I mean, Rakeem's your starter. I mean, people, it, it drives me crazy. You know, what looking at it like in the game threads and on our message board, you know, people are like, well, I think Traylon Smith might even be a little bit better. I'm like, guys, come on now. Rakeem Boyd is among the best running backs in school history just statistically now no one's ever going to remember him that way because his first two seasons were on two and ten teams uh but he is statistically a very very good running back he is capable of hitting the home run plays i think there were a few runs against auburn where Traylon smith he had he had pretty good games but i don't think he ever had like a really big breakaway run i don't think arkansas had a 20 yard run all season and so I I think Rakeem's going to be your guy. He's going to probably be your bigger, more physical guy who can maybe run between the tackles some. He's probably who I would have been running the ball with on Arkansas's last possession before giving it back to Auburn for the ultimate you know, game-winning field goal when Traylon Smith lost five yards on first down and really put him behind the sticks. I think with Rakeem Boyd in there, they probably would have been able to salt away that game. Uh, so I, I expect there to be a nice little balance, because but – Traylon Smith's still going to get plenty of reps, get him on the outside, use his speed and quickness uh, out there, catch him passes out of the backfield. I think Rakeem can do that as well. But Traylon Smith showed a, a pretty good ability of doing that uh, with the catching the ball and making stuff happen with the ball in his hands against Auburn. So uh, I think we see a steady, a, a good little dose of, of both of them. I wonder if there's much uh, 21 personnel in, in Kendall Bryles' scheme, maybe get them both going. That would be I mean, we saw we saw a little bit. I mean, I know you didn't get to go to any of the fall yeah. camp practices, <laughs> but there were a couple of times where we saw them working on some two-back formations where they were both out there at the same time. So maybe we do see some of that. Uh, Pittman actually said that, you know, Wednesday's practice didn't look as, you know, up to his standards as he would like because they were adding some other stuff in and it just didn't look as smooth. So, hmm. Maybe, maybe maybe that's it. Um, But the offense has really impressed just in the way that they've been able to clean stuff up, Um, you know, not as many penalties um, and, you know, the way they moved the ball against Auburn uh, to bring it back within, you know, a winnable game on Saturday. Um, It just looks like they're much more comfortable with what they're being asked to do, even without the two biggest stars on the team. So as far as Kendall Brown goes, it, I have a, I don't know, like a, a B minus review so far. I think that's fair. I think that's fair, especially considering, you know, all the external factors of the weird off season, not being able to have spring ball. And you know, those are, those are key uh, elements for, uh, you know, when you're trying to install a new offense. So 
I would say that's fair. Uh, I, I would and they like didn't even s- get any tune-up games. Like their first yeah. game was against Georgia. Exactly, the, <laughs> arguably the best defense in the country. So yeah, you're exactly right. So I, I I expect them to put up a lot of points this weekend because Ole Miss's defense is so bad. I mean, their numbers are just uh, astronomically horrible. So I, I would expect a a big showing from them this weekend, just because. Based on what they showed us against Auburn, you know, from the second quarter on, I expect them to be able to put up quite a few points. Now, the defense, um, you know, they've been impressive um, against Auburn. I feel like they did their job. um, But if Bumper Pool is not good to go, I'm obviously concerned about the linebacker group, like – he's racking up the most tackles. So if you're missing him, I mean, he does have also the most missed tackles on the team, but if you're missing him, you're probably going to have less tackles and more missed tackles. So um, worried about that against this Ole Miss offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it before the season multiple times that I was really concerned with depth on defense, particularly at linebacker. I mean, I, I think, Bumper and Grant Morgan have performed admirably so far through three weeks, but man, I mean, they're, they're the best Arkansas has. So, I mean, if you have to go to the subs, whether that be a Andrew Parker or a Hayden Henry, you know, Hayden Henry's played okay in spurts, but you know, is he going to be able to handle, you know, a full load, you know, 70 snaps in a game? I don't know. Uh, but you know, it, Man, if, if Bumper can't go, that, that's, that's tough. Um, and then special teams. Arkansas this week landed a, you know, Coles five-star um, punter, and they've added him to the class as well as a scholarship kicker, Cameron Little from Oklahoma. So they have, you know, two quote-unquote five-star special teamers coming in to hopefully fix the mess that they have I mean it's not even really I wouldn't say the kickers that are the problem right now it just seems like the special teams the blocking schemes and whatever they're just not working Um, I'm not sure how well uh, the the punting unit was prepared for Auburn to you know blitz at the punter like that but I think it's actually something that they do quite often so uh, maybe they just weren't ready for it that close to the end zone. I don't know, but special teams is still a huge problem. The special teams have been a absolute disaster. Uh, that is, that is to me, the un- undoubtedly the biggest disappointment of the season so far. I mean, the defense has played a lot better than we thought they would. Offense has had some hiccups, but they've you know shown some life. Special teams has just been horrible. And, and it's, as you said, it's not necessarily, you know, the kickers and the punters, although I'm not 100% sold on George Carrington as the punter right now. Uh, but, man, it's just – I don't know what – I mean, to have two blocked punts in three weeks is inexcusable. Both of them have been in the end zone, one going for a safety, one for a touchdown. Uh, to, to continue to give up long punt returns, I mean, they, they didn't have – super long punt returns allowed against Auburn, but I mean, they still got like a 12 and a couple of nine yard returns. That's, that's basically you're giving them an extra first down uh, on special teams. So that has got to improve. And Sam Pittman did say on Thursday that 
he feels like they're going to be better and that he feels like they might be able to to swing that pendulum back their way. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely in believe it when I see it mode. In my um, story that I wrote yesterday about, you know, what Arkansas needs to do to get off to a faster start, a big thing has been their field position. Um, I think the stat was like eight of 15 first quarter drives they've started within their 15 yard line. Um, and it's just been super hard for them to get first downs early in the game. A bunch of those ended in three and outs or in, um, you know, mistakes, uh, fumble, interception. Um, so, you know, the key to starting early is just getting those first downs. And if you're pinned back, it's a lot tougher, I think. Um, and then another thing, um, Pittman and Felipe Franks, they both said that, you know, Pittman was focusing on pregame. He said that the guys need to be more focused pregame. Um, they need to be warming up as if, you know, they are about to play a game and it didn't seem like they were doing that last week. And then Felipe said, you know, at practice, the office, the offense often gets off to a slow start. So um, they need to just have a, a better week practicing as if, you know, they're in a game where it's their sense of urgency needs to be a lot higher. Um, and I think Ole Miss, although I was looking at Ole Miss's, you know, first quarter performances and they aren't averaging um, that many points in the first quarter either. So maybe, uh, you know, they'll start seeing action in the, in the second quarter, but if Arkansas can actually, you know, jump on them and actually come out and, and lead, I think that would be huge. Yeah, you can't fall behind 17 nothing against a team like Ole Miss because they're going to keep scoring points, uh, you know, no matter how good your defense is. I mean, they, they torched Alabama's defense. I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they – the offense needs to get off to a better start. They need to not go three and out on the first drive like they have the first three games. They need to sustain some drives – uh, just simply to keep the Ole Miss offense off the field. I mean, that may be your best defense in a game like this. I think so, Ole Miss has, like, the most first downs in the nation or, like, top three or something like that. Like, they get a lot of first downs. So, Arkansas yeah. defense is going to be on the field a lot. It, it, unless the offense can get something right. going. If they can get Rakeem Boyd, you know, that would be ideal is to, to – kill him on the ground I mean we saw what Franks is capable of doing through the air uh, last week but you know Arkansas hadn't I, I didn't realize this until earlier this week Arkansas through three games does not have a rushing touchdown yeah I mean I don't think anyone would have seen that coming before the year I mean I think it was everyone thought it was gonna be the opposite where maybe the the run game was gonna carry this team so uh really need to get that going keep the keep the time of possession you know at least somewhat on your side I think Sam Pittman said uh I can't remember if it was this week or last week, said he's not sure if they'll ever win the time of possession battle because just the way they, they play offense. But if you can at least make it somewhat even, give your defense a break, keep them fresh, keep the other team's offense off the field, and uh, you know play a little bit of ball control. Yeah, the red zone and, and not scoring on the ground, well, they haven't had many – drives where um like they're very close to the goal line it's always been like five yards out and stuff so usually you know you have your your running back power it in from like three yards out um and they haven't been able to do that except um i think that that touchdown run that kj jefferson tried to have where he had i think it was Traylon smith open right there but he decided to take it himself so that would have been actually i guess it would have been a 
a receiving touchdown still if he had dumped it off, right? Yeah, if it was a forward pass at all, it would still be. Yeah, a, it, a I think it would have been. Um, but I think he could have also like handed the ball to him too, like on the read. I mean, those. Yeah, the, maybe the that goal too, line yeah. packages with the backup quarterbacks, whether it be KJ or Malik, just have not worked. And I'm not a big fan of them. I know Pittman said that it works in practice or whatever, but I think it's just too obvious. Yeah, like, the defense is gonna know. Like you put in Malik Hornsby. Are you really trusting him to throw the ball? I mean, obviously you're going to give him opportunities to try to do that, but it's more likely that you're running him and therefore it's just so much easier to stop, especially when you're like seven to eight yards out. That was his first time (laughs) playing college football on the road against a ranked team in bad conditions and by the goal line in a close game. I mean, what in the world were they thinking? Also, I think Georgia, um, they their defense hasn't allowed a single rushing touchdown this season. So, I feel I just feel so much better about that Georgia game now. And I mean, I know I was hard on the offense because they literally couldn't get anything going in that game. But Georgia's defense is just amazing. Yeah, I mean Georgia has an opportunity for this to be an all-time great defense now. I'm anxious to see what Georgia's defense can do against Alabama's offense because I think Alabama's offense is really freaking good. I mean, they've got a great quarterback, great running back, a couple of great receivers. I mean, all these guys could be, you know, first-round picks. I mean, I don't know about Mac Jones, but those other skill position guys could be first-round picks. How is that going to match up? I'm I'm anxious to see how that game uh, turns out. But, yeah, Georgia's defense, it is is awesome. Let's do a little focus in on – Ole Miss. Uh, it's a it's a team with polar opposite units right now. With the offense just absolutely killing it, like forty four points per game, um, something like that. And then the defense is giving up uh, like a NCAA low or NCAA high, like fifty one points per game. It's just uh, ridiculous how polar opposite their two units are. And because of that, I actually think Arkansas might have an advantage because their defense has looked like very decent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Arkansas has a slight advantage maybe, Mm uh, just because the defense has shown some really good signs against, uh, some, well, I mean, at least, we thought Mississippi State off, uh, offense was going to be great. Maybe yeah, that's still up in the air, but uh, they they have shown an ability to slow down offenses. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they have one of the best offenses in the country, Ole Miss, and one of the worst defenses. I mean, they're, they're dead last in the FBS in scoring defense, total defense, you know, yards per play allowed. And, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, they're – several points worse several yards worse I mean like a full yard and a half worse than anyone else in terms of you know yards yards per play allowed I mean it is it's crazy Uh, Matt Corral the uh, quarterback for the Rebels um, I mean he's playing fantastically like now that he's the guy um, they're not splitting time as much with John Rice Plumley as they were last season and I'll admit I thought I thought John was the future for the Rebels, but, you know, Matt Corral, he's throwing 76% completions. That's ridiculous. 
Um, I mean, he, he has over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns, and only one interception. Yeah, I mean, he fits Lane Kiffin's offense, though. I mean, I, I, I thought John Reese Plumley or whatever his name is. I think he's a a very good quarterback and probably would still be the quarterback had there not been a coaching change. Yeah. At Ole Miss. Uh, but knowing what Lane Kiffin likes to do and slinging the ball around, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that, you know, Corral has, has had as much success. I mean, he was, a, he was a highly touted recruit, you know, back in the day. I mean, 6.0, four-star, you know, kind of like Felipe Franks. And you're right, I mean, as now he's finally getting a chance and he's tearing it up. He also has almost 150 yards on the ground. So Arkansas gets to – deal with that element of the game, which they haven't always been super strong with. Um, I am very worried about the Ole Miss rushing attack as well with Snoop Connor and uh, the other one. Yeah. Jerry and Ely. Those are two really good backs. Um, We haven't seen, I feel like a really, really good tight end yet. And now we see Kenny Yaboa, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, So they get to, you know, deal with a mismatch like that, potentially without bumper pool. I don't like that scenario. Um, and then they have a, a trio of wideouts, um, Dontario Drummond, Elijah Moore, and um, oh, Jonathan Mingo. So, yeah, it, it, it's a pretty stout group. Um, the offensive line, though, has been posting pretty weak blocking grades. So maybe Jonathan Marshall has a big day. Who knows? Yeah, you need need a big day out of your uh, defensive front, especially if you're playing with backups at linebacker. You depending on what you know bumper status is, but uh, yeah, it, they are my they might be the second best group of special like of uh, skill position guys that Arkansas faces this year, uh, behind only Alabama. I think Alabama's by far the best in the conference, but uh, yeah, I mean it, it. I mean Florida's probably up there, but. Ole Miss, man, they, they are from top to bottom, multiple weapons. If one guy doesn't have a good day, they've got four others that can pick up for him. And Yeboah was a transfer from Temple, and I know Arkansas would have loved to have a nice transfer tight end for this season, but uh, didn't work out. So we got old former walk-on Blake Kern and some some young bucks. <laughs> Hey, and to Blake's, same job. to Blake's credit, he has played way better than I think anyone could have ex- expected. I mean, he's actually a, a threat in the receiving game now. How about that? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Sam Pittman a little bit and just like, you know, three games in, uh, they're one and two technically, I guess. I, I'm always going to want to say that they won that game because we know – it should have been a win, but whatever. They're one and two. The team is just playing with so much um, heart and effort and confidence. Um, it is a 180 from last season, especially towards the end of last season. Um, and, you know, other people are definitely taking notice. There have been a lot more national media people talking about Arkansas, and that's. Um, I think people were worried with hiring like a former offensive line coach that Arkansas just wouldn't be a team people are talking about like Lane Kiffin has a much more, you know, 
a more clicky name for us journalists, uh, but Sam Pittman is getting his due. Uh, when I talked to the Ole Miss uh, Rebel Grove publisher, Neil McCready, this week uh, for our Know the Foe Q&A, he said, oh yeah, people are paying attention to the job Sam Pittman is doing at Arkansas, and uh, I don't think Ole Miss fans are uh, they they love Lane Kiffin so far, but I don't think they're like bursting with confidence this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lane Kiffin right now is kind of the flavor of the week in terms of the national pub. I mean, I saw some people uh, throwing his name around as a possible SEC Coach of the Year <laughs> candidate, but I'm like, yeah, his offense is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think you could be an SEC Coach of the Year if your defense is literally last in the country. Uh, whereas Sam Pittman. I mean, man, he inherited a dumpster fire of a program. I mean, the Arkansas has never been at a lower point in its history. Uh, I mean, I, I feel very confident in saying that. Uh, you know, I wasn't around back in the 1800s or anything, but I just knowing what I know, I mean, they, they had long losing streak. They had lo- losses to North Texas, blowout losses to North Texas, Western Kentucky, uh, they were just getting destroyed in SEC games, usually never even leading. I mean, there was a stretch of five or six games, maybe even seven last year, where they never led. And that has not been the case. I mean, they were extremely competitive for two and a half quarters against Georgia, a top five team. They went on the road and beat Mississippi State. They went on the road and should have beaten an Auburn team. So uh, what he's done has been nothing short of incredible. And I, I mean, I thought that he would have, he would eventually bring respect back to the Arkansas program, but I would be lying to you if I said, I thought he would have already done it three games into the year. Uh, before we do a little hoops and, and baseball talk, um, let's wrap it up with our predictions for this Saturday. Um, the game is now on um, SEC Network, not ESPN2, um, but it's still at 2.30 p.m. And you can join us in our live chat. Um, it's very fun on the trough on honkbeat.com. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and say I think it's going to be a close one. <laughs> um, and I think both teams score over 30 points. But as far as, you know, who ends up on top, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be a wild shootout. I mean, I know you haven't been around Arkansas for a super long time, but let me just tell you, Nikki, the Arkansas Ole Miss game is always a doozy. You, there is a very strong likelihood you're going to see something in this game that you have never seen before at any level of football, whether it be seven overtimes, whether it be a Henry Heave type of play, whether it be the largest comeback in school history, uh, you know, there has been some wild, wild, wild games between Arkansas and Ole Miss throughout history, but especially lately. I actually saw a stat uh, that I'm going to include in my emptying the notebook uh, piece later uh, today that uh, Arkansas Ole Miss, like the average margin of the last five matchups is like 4.8 points or something like that per game. And it's Vegas the, knows it. <laughs> it's it's the it's the third closest average margin between teams that have played each of the last five years in all of college football. So that tells you right there you should be in store, and that's even with last year's game being a fourteen point margin. So uh, get get ready for some craziness. 
So this weekend, the uh, Diamond Hogs are opening up some some fall scrimmage play. I think it's streamed online, right? Yeah, Friday's scrimmage is not, but however, the last six games of the Fall World Series, so starting Sunday, uh, you can find the full schedule on hogbeat.com, but the last six games are going to be streamed on SEC Network+. Plus. What are the uh, biggest things you're looking for in these, in these scrimmages? I really want to see what the uh, starting pitchers can do because it sounds like after talking to Dave Van Horn on Thursday that he really has no idea what his starting rotation is going to be like. I mean, he, he thinks, you know, if, if they started the season tomorrow, he said that Connor Nolan would be one of the three guys, but he said they don't even have a clear number one Friday night guy. And so I, I think there's still some stuff up in the air. Obviously, the Fall World Series isn't going to be the you know, end-all, be-all, but it's going to be a, a big indicator on, on who's going to at least get the first crack at it next year when they kick things back up in, in the spring. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the starting pitching. And I'm also looking at just seeing all these newcomers. I mean, I, I've gotten to know most of these guys because I, I wrote about a lot of them over the summer, uh, told their stories as they were getting ready to come to campus. And uh, I'm anxious to see how many of those guys are, are capable of, of contributing uh, and, and playing this year on what should be a very, very talented team because of all the, the talent that is still here because of all the, the COVID stuff that hit in the spring. Yeah, did did Van Horn talk about like how hard it's been to manage the roster or does he not have to worry about that until the spring? Well, he said that because of the large roster size, it's been like the most competitive fall that he's ever had, probably the best fall he's ever had. Uh, they've been able to actually like full-blown scrimmage. I mean, sometimes whenever you scrimmage, you know, I mean, obviously you need nine guys on each side, but sometimes they don't have enough position players where you've got like a catcher playing in the outfield or a pitcher standing out there playing in the outfield or whatever. They actually have full-blown, you know, rosters to be able to, to not only play, but I think they even maybe have a sub or two. Uh, so, and they've got plenty of pitching where in the past, uh, the Fall World Series has been like a best of seven series where if one team wins the first four games, they end it. But it sounds like this, this year they're going to play all seven games regardless of the results. Uh, you know, so uh, that just kind of shows you how deep they are. And, uh, yeah, there's probably going to be some guys who decide that they're probably not going to get to play as much as they would like this year. And so they probably end up going to a JUCO or something. But that will happen uh, at, at the end of the semester. Um, the NCAA decided a few days ago that winter sport athletes will get to keep their year of eligibility, um, but they already did that for baseball. So do you, do you envision them doing it again? Like it's already causing like a big backlog, these programs, you know, cause all these kids obviously want to play. Um, so like, yeah, it would be nice, but does it really help? Um, at that point, if you have so many extra players? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think they'll do that. Um, I think it would just cause way too many logistical problems, more than we're already seeing teams uh, encounter. I mean, you got the big schools that have a surplus of talent uh, that they didn't really expect to have just because they expected some of these guys to be going to the pros or whatever. Um, it'll help because the Major League Baseball draft this upcoming year is going to be at least 20 rounds instead of five like this past year. So that'll help kind of alleviate some of it. I think Van Horn said he, he could see 15, 16 guys get drafted off of this team. Uh, so 
I don't envision everyone getting another year. I think that would just be too much of a headache by the NCAA. I, I do think it's good that they did it for all the fall and winter sports, but I, I can't see them doubling up on, on, a, on a group. I believe Van Horn this week got a new 2024 commit from inside the state. And then he also landed the number one prospect out of Florida for the 2023 class. Unreal. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they are just, I mean, they, they've basically created a, a machine. I mean, it's kind of like what you see with Alabama and Clemson and football, Kentucky and Duke and basketball. That's what Arkansas is doing in baseball right now on the recruiting trail. Uh, Tag Andrews is the in-state kid that just committed. He's actually the second 2024 kid. And I'll save you the time on the math. That means he is a freshman in high school right now. That, that is, it's mind-blowing. Neither of these guys have pitched an inning in varsity baseball, but they you know, do travel baseball and have performed really, really well. Uh, Tag Andrews had a no-hitter at the WWBA uh, Freshman World Championships. That is a big deal. Uh, and then uh, the 2023 kid, Aiden Miller, I believe is his name. He is the number three overall recruit in the country on perfect game. That would be Arkansas's highest ranked recruit ever if he stays at that ranking and that he actually signs with the Razorbacks. So he, he, he's probably a guy that Arkansas is going to have to fight the pros for. But, uh, man, that, it just kind of shows you what they've got going, going at Bomb Stadium. Imagine knowing where you were going to college. I mean, you, you probably did, actually. <laughs> um, imagine knowing where you're going to college as a freshman in high school. Like, your whole future is just like, here it is. Don't have to worry about a thing except, you know, yeah. continuing to play well. I'm sure that's a concern for these guys. Like, if you accept your offer so early, like, you really have to keep it up. Or Arkansas might be like, actually, the opportunity is not really here anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is strange. I mean, it, baseball is unlike football and men's basketball and that there are – I mean, it, it's not too terribly uncommon for a freshman in high school to commit to a Division One college, especially these, you know, upper tier, the Arkansas, the Vanderbilts, the Floridas, LSUs. It, it's not that uncommon. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot of pressure on a kid because you do have to continue progressing I mean every once in a while there is a kid that commits that young and doesn't quite progress the way they expected them to and generally it's kind of understood like all right you, you probably want to to move on go to another school whether it be a a smaller school or a juco or something like that so it's a it's a whole nother ball game and you know the other thing that it's weird is if you look at my uh, scouting report on tag andrews uh, who committed he doesn't have any other offers. And usually if that happens in football, people are losing their mind going, why are we offering this guy that has no other offers? Well, in baseball, you don't get many offers. You might get one or two and then maybe get some interest in other schools, but usually you get offered by a school and you're like, all right, yeah, that's what I want or something like that. So especially whenever it's a school like Arkansas, I mean, he probably could have held out and waited and tried to get more offers or whatever, but it, it really is, is meaningless in, in baseball. On top of it being Ole Miss week and the Fall World Series being this weekend, uh, we also talked to Eric Musselman this week as he opened um, the season of practice um, on Wednesday. It was really good to see him again. Uh, we missed him. It's been a long time since we talked to him, but uh, it seems like things are going really well uh, for his like almost brand new roster. 
Um, he gained another transfer commitment this week from uh, Kamani Johnson from UALR. Uh, he averaged uh, just over 11 or maybe 11 points per game and like 6.6 .6 boards per game um, for UAL, UALR this season. Um, so he is going to be a sit one transfer coming in at the new year. Um, so that means unless he gets to take advantage of the NCAA legislation that might pass in January, allowing uh, first time transfers to not sit out a year, um, he won't be able to play until the second semester of next season. So we could, we could not see him for a really long time, but who knows, he might actually be able to play um, because of that NCAA upcoming decision. Um, what were your main takeaways from Musselman who is working hard to put together his uh, schedule for this year? I thought it was hilarious what he was talking about with, uh, you know, given, given all that responsibility to Anthony <laughs> Ruta, uh, who's already mostly bald. Uh, and yeah. Pittman's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hang on to all my, you know, luscious head of hair. Uh, so uh, that, that was pretty good, but it is, it is challenging. I would not want to be Anthony Ruta during these days because it is so challenging to, to come up with a schedule and you probably have a schedule and then it gets changed and then it gets changed again. Not to mention these, these schools that you're trying to get out of contracts with, like they, they want their money. Exactly. And I mean, I think most schools, I feel like maybe this is just being naive or whatever, but I feel like most schools are going to be understanding. And I mean, they're probably, they're, they probably had games scheduled uh, with schools this season. They're like, Hey, we it won't work this year, but, let's let's stay in touch and try to get this game scheduled next year the year after that or whatever uh so it, it is a unique time frame they are it sounds like they're going to be doing some more regional schools so maybe we get to see a uca or a ualr or maybe even an arkansas state on the schedule uh that that would be uh that would definitely add a lot of intrigue to the non-conference play it doesn't seem like the team has like a real identity yet, but during, you know, the, um, the boot camp that they had, like they got much closer as a team. The camaraderie is there from what Jalen Tate said. He said, you wouldn't be able to tell that these are guys who didn't play together last year. They seem really um, well-connected. Um, and it sounds like Musselman's biggest problem is going to be figuring out, you know, the best matchups night to night. And then he also mentioned he needs to find out who, like, the big moment guys are. Uh, he had Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones last season. And this year he has a lot of options, but he needs to find the guys that are going to separate themselves. Exactly. Uh, that was uh, something he revealed after uh, I had asked him about uh, last year. He had told reporters that uh, he would stay up at night thinking about how they're going to find ways to rebound and, you know, obviously that was a major issue last year. And he said he feels like he's he's got that fixed. You know, they added a bunch of size. Uh, but now it's like, okay, who's who's going to be the guy when you're down one, 15 seconds left? Who Who's going to be the guy that takes it and, and gets you the bucket and wins the game? Uh, Mason Jones isn't walking through that door. Isaiah Joe isn't walking through that door. Jimmy Witt isn't walking through that door. Uh, so who who is it going to be that, that comes through in those clutch moments for you? I'm excited to get to know these guys. So many new faces. We really mostly know, you know, Desi Sills. Like, he's the guy that we've talked to the most. We've talked to Ethan Henderson 
a little bit there when he was playing well towards the end of the season. Um, it's just a whole big group of new faces and um, I always like to see their personality come out. I don't know how often we'll get to talk to the freshmen, but if, if Moses Moody delivers like people think he will, uh, he will uh, be in those press, press conference probably quite a lot. Yeah, I think he's the one that most fans are, are excited about because he has the ability to, to be that guy, to be that superstar. And uh, both of the guys we talked to, I mean, Jalen Tate and, and Justin Smith both mentioned, you know, Moses Moody can, can shoot the ball. He can really fill it up. And I uh, think that's what Arkansas fans are going to be excited to see. He could, I mean, I've, we, you and I have both seen it. People have talked about him possibly being the program's first one and done. Obviously, I think everyone would like to see him a couple of years at least, like we have with guys like Bobby Portis and Daniel Gafford. But, man, if he's a one and done, that means he's played really, really well. And probably means Arkansas played really, really well. Hog fans, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Hog Beat Hour. Don't forget, kickoff is at 2.30 p.m. Central Time against Ole Miss at home in Fayetteville. Hutch will be there pregame taking taking a role on that roster, making sure we know who's in, who's out. If you're making last-minute bets, uh, make sure to check out the trough and join our live commentary thread. It'll be a blast during the game. Um, 2.30, SCC Network. Join us on the trough. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend.